Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Welcome back to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. This is episode 12, and today we are going to talk with Brian Carter. Brian Carter is an author, a consultant, and a keynote speaker. He's also a comedian and has an improv troupe, so he's doing a lot of things. And he started off working sort of in that digital marketing world. He worked in e-commerce for a retail company. He worked for an agency. But several years ago, he decided that his path was Brian Carter. And you can actually find information on Brian at BrianCarterGroup.com. But Brian, welcome to our show. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for having me. Great. So let's talk a little bit about entrepreneurship today. So what led you to working for yourself? Well, number one, I don't like being an employee at all. Um, I don't like the company making most of the money. If I bring in money or have value, I don't like them having most of the money. (laughs) Um, And, uh, you know, I realized after a while that that long term, the way I was going to have a competitive advantage was to invest in myself, to have like job security. I felt like I needed to invest in my own brand. And, and unfortunately most companies don't like that from their employees, you know? Um, at least the last time I was in a company, you know, they, they totally didn't get the, um, Oh, we have a thought leader who is branding himself, but that's helping us, you know? So that created a tension in our agency, I think. I found that a lot in the marketing world, uh, working for sort of, I worked for law firms and banks and consulting firms, and most of them didn't know what to do with me because part of what I did is I went out and I marketed them, but I yeah. also, I looked at it as I was a brand and my brand could benefit my employer. And I think that sort of made a few people nervous. Although I did my last regular job, I did work for a consulting firm and they hired me for that reason. And she actually, the owner of the company actually knew I wanted to go out and, and be a speaker and a writer and a consultant. And she encouraged it. And her whole idea was come work for me and do a great job. And someday you will leave me and go have this career that you dream of. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. we can say, hey, we did it together. But I think most people probably find, you know, what you experienced where they're like, "Ah, Brian, what are you doing? Yeah, there's a lot of reasons, I think, why they aren't comfortable with it or can't handle working with like, you know, a lot of companies chase away their their best talent, um, you know, and there are a lot of different reasons for that. But and the other thing is that I found that I, you know, I just, I love working and I, I love to work on things that I love to work on. So I, I don't see it as totally like work. So that, to me, it doesn't have to be nine to five. But and I'm, if I'm in a company where I'm doing, you know, if I do 12 hours in a day and it's not getting me any more money than I would have gotten otherwise, it's, I'm not incentivized to do it. So, um, it starts to feel weird, you know? And, and so I think that led me to want to do things on the side and the, the company felt weird about that, you know, even if it wasn't competitive. So yeah, I think, um, I need to be in a situation where I can do what I'm good at and what I like and get paid for it and get rewarded for doing more and doing better. Well, you bring up an interesting point by saying, hey, I always kind of had like side projects that they weren't competing with my employer. I did the same thing. I was a wedding photographer for many years and I worked on Saturdays and it was great because I worked for banks and law firms and other things and shooting a wedding on a Saturday was okay. But every now and then I would show up at a wedding and one of the guests would be like one of the partners in the law firm. They'd be like, what are you, what are you doing here? Well, how much are they paying you? Don't we pay you enough? What are you doing? And oh so 
you know, yeah, that I was the thing. that perspective. To me, that's like, it, to me, that's so outdated. It's like, it's like the old, um, you know, I, I own the castle and you are my serfs. You're going to work the land. Um, I, I just don't get that. It's to me, it's very hierarchical. I don't understand that perspective. Well, and you also brought up the fact of, you know, hey, if you work a 12-hour day, you know, you want to reap the rewards. The other thing that I witness a lot is people will work like a 12- or a 14-hour day because they got a product coming out or they've got something, some sort of a launch, and they love what they do, so it's not a problem. But then on Monday, they want to come in like at noon because yeah. on Friday, they worked until midnight and right. you know, or every day the previous week. And then the boss is like, well, what are you doing rolling in at noon? It's like, well, you can't have it both ways. You can't have me here at 9 o'clock at night. And then expect me here at eight o'clock right. on another day. Yeah. And I think, you know, in fact, um, you know, this, the co-author I'm working on this, we're launching this book called The Cowbell Principle. We were talking about this the other day that um, it, it works for a certain type of person. I think some people want the job security of being an employee and they're also very fear motivated and managers take advantage of that. Um, and I just didn't, I don't like, it doesn't feel good to me. Well, let's talk about this new book. I know very shortly yeah. you are about to release The Cowbell Principle. Mm-hmm. And why don't you tell me about the book? Well, it's it's kind of funny because it's, uh, it's based on the More Cowbell sketch, which is probably Saturday best Night Live. Known, yeah, best known Saturday Night Live sketch where Will Ferrell plays the cowbell player and the Blue Oyster Cult. Uh, they're, they're recording Don't Fear the Reaper and Christopher Walken plays this producer that wants more cowbell even though the band thinks it's ridiculous and uh, it's just a, it's a funny skit, but believe it or not, I was able to use it as a parable and pull like 10 different lessons out of it. And so we wrote a book based on that. And one of the reasons why I pursued it was I put a slide about the cowbell principle in my, um, social media marketing world presentation earlier this year. And it was the main thing that people tweeted about during the, the presentation it was only one slide. <laughs> so yeah, it's about like it, it's kind of like a hedgehog concept from Good to Great or, or um, Built to Last, but not exactly. It's uh, it's about finding what you love and what people will pay you for, uh, basically what other people have a fever for that you have, and uh, call, that's your cowbell. And then, you know, there are things that you love to do, but nobody likes them and nobody will pay you for them. We call those bagpipes because, um, you know, <laughs> bagpipes. We're in the book. We joke that. Um, bagpipes are the only one of the only instruments you play while walking, and that's mainly because people are walking as fast a, as they can away from you. So you're chasing them. Playing. Yeah, it's like a slow motion Celtic chase of some, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like a really slow Benny Hill uh, thing. But anyway, uh, so yeah, that's the book, and it's about it's really about career advice, life, and work, and um, you know, trying to get your dream job, trying to get paid more. And it really, really fits entrepreneurs. So you wrote the book with Garrison Wynn. Yeah. And he is, I've seen him speak, and I don't actually know him like we don't hang out and go have beers, but yeah. I've always followed his career. I saw him speak about five years ago when I was just launching my speaking career, and mm-hmm. he's fantastic as a speaker and also as a thought leader. So tell me about a little bit more about how you guys collaborated on the book. Yeah. Well, and, and I've been, you know, Garrison's been my speaking mentor since like 2009-ish. I went to a, a SEO Moz conference and, and his wife was there. I met her and uh, she hooked me up with him. And, and uh, so we've worked on a, a variety of things over time. We did a podcast for a while that we called Chaos Pie. So we're both like guys with a comedy background, but who have serious business uh, teaching to do as well. And uh 
you know, when I was telling him about this, this book idea, he said, wow, that sounds really great. Maybe we've talked about co-authoring stuff together. Why don't we work on it together? And we did that. So it's an interesting book because there are, I think there are a number of books out there that are written by more than one author, but it's, it's a, it's a, a weird thing to do, you know, cause anytime one of us has a perspective on something, the other one wants to give their perspective. So it, it reads a little bit different, you know, like there, are, but there are a ton of other stories in it. In addition to our experience, we've interviewed, I think about 15 different people, uh, about what their cowbell was and how they found that. Um, and so it's an interesting, and then there's a whole chapter in there too, on how do you figure out what your cowbell is and how do you develop it? Um, but yeah, so it's, I think it, it'll help people a lot because it's one of those things I learned from doing marketing for years and years that a lot of companies don't have a competitive differentiator, you know, and Warren Buffett says that he only invested in companies he thought had a, a durable competitive advantage um, that, you know, long term, they're going to be able to stay the winner. And I don't think people think about that in their career enough. You know, we've got globalization going on. We've got um, software that's replacing jobs. We've got robots that are replacing jobs. Um, one day we'll have robots that make robots and repair robots and they won't need us at all. Right. Battlestar so, Galactica. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, they'll turn on so, they'll turn on us and try to exterminate us. Yeah. And, and so it's not we've had a recession, but it's not just that we've lost manufacturing jobs. You know, there are people on Fiverr and Elance that will do programming way cheaper. Um, you know, I hired a guy in Pakistan recently to do some programming. He was great. So Americans especially have to think and first world people have to think, what am I going to be able to do that in 20 years a robot won't be able to do and a and piece of software won't be able to do? Well, that's, I mean, that is, that is important. And, and you actually, I want to go backtrack a little bit. You brought up an interesting point about writing the book with someone else because, you, I mean, here you have, you know, someone who's very entrepreneurial in Brian, but you mm. also have someone who's very entrepreneurial in Garrison. So you have that, yeah. you know, my voice, your voice. I've written 11 books and uh, some of them are small. So people say, wow, 11 <laughs> books. And it's like, well, some of them are kind of tips books, like 100 pages. But yeah. I've worked with, I think, five co-authors now. And mm. it's interesting because, sometimes it works really well and and sometimes it is like sort of my project no my project and <laughs> yeah. and my book that came out last year the abc's of entrepreneurs which is one of the things that sort of spurred this cool things entrepreneurs do podcast uh, i wrote with a guy named brian Manell, who was actually guest number one on hmm. this show and brian and i actually went to junior high and high school together in california and we both coincidentally uh-huh. live in austin texas nice and so we had to work through everything well brian's taken founded like seven or eight companies Companies. He's CEO of a venture-funded startup. He took a company public that grew to like a three hundred million dollar publicly traded company after, mm. you know, after their IPO. And so, you know, he has this super entrepreneurial experience, and I'm like this solo entrepreneur who, you know, used to take pictures, and now I speak and consult and do some coaching. And it was very interesting as we tried to mirror every piece together. But the fascinating thing was when you read the book, it sounds in, in that particular book, it sounds like one voice. Mm-hmm. And we couldn't figure out. There was one chapter where we're like, who wrote this? And, <laughs> and then we realized we had the same English teachers, seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade. And, uh. and all of a sudden we realized that, you know, the reason it sounded so similar is, is we were taught to write by the same people. Right, right. Well, that's cool. Yeah, we we didn't we didn't have that. We, we had an editor. Um, yeah, we had an editor, and uh, 
but I think it's it's good. I think it works and it and it brings in a lot of different experience. You know, I mean, it's funny because I I will never buy. I love Tam, Tom Clancy, but I've never bought one of his co-authored books for some reason. I get like skeptical, like who's this random guy you're writing with? <laughs> uh, but I don't have that attitude at all about nonfiction books. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been good. We survived. We're still friends. We still have a good relationship. Excellent. Uh, when does the book come yeah. out? What's the release date? It's it should be November fourth, and we're gonna do a whole bunch of a giveaway of a whole bunch of Kindle copies on the fourth. Or and um, we'll see. I think we're trying to give give them all away on that one day. Um, and we've got a bunch of geez guest blog posts coming out next week on about fifteen different uh, sites. Yeah, I think um, one of them is gonna be on my blog. As a matter of fact, that's right. Yeah, and then we also have a contest where giving away a bunch of people were really generous and are giving away services. Um, actually I forgot to ask you if you're interested, we can in- include you in that. We're giving away about, you know, a little over $8,000 worth of stuff. Um, in this uh, contest, I'll have to give you the link for that. Sure, I'm sure that people would love to have access to stuff. And actually, yeah. uh, this this episode that we're recording right now, I think, is going to come out on November 6th. And so, oh, okay, well then it'll be too late. <laughs> it'll be too late for free stuff, but but yep. they can uh, still go back and and read all about you. And the book will be available, I assume, on Amazon and all the regular channels. Correct. Yep, and we'll have bonuses too inside the book that you'll be able to get. You know, some free additional stuff too. Excellent. So, Brian, what is it that you really love about this life of an entrepreneur? What gets you really excited about working for Brian? Um, you know, I mean, it's like, it's funny, like my, my grandma read me a book when I was younger about this bunny that followed his nose. Um, and, and, uh, you know, he had these adventures and made friends and all this cool stuff. And I sort of feel like (laughs) I'm that bunny, you know, like I have that, (laughs) I am that bunny. Um, I'm, I'm free to kind of follow what I'm inspired to do and, I think, you know, I just love data. I love to go out and see what people want and need and figure out how to get that to them. And and, uh, I'm real nerdy about, I love the combination of psychology and and data that you get with um, like Facebook ads or AdWords ads because I just, I loved copywriting and seeing what works and what doesn't. so it's to me that's just super fascinating and also it's because it, it's different for every single even if you go to the same audience with a different product or the same product to a different audience it's always going to be different how you how you need to do it so i just i love all that testing uh learning and teaching that's that's what i'm passionate about and what do you not like so much about working for yourself um i mean the only thing is that uh especially in the first couple years the it can be up and down when you're a consultant or speaker it can be up and down in terms of how many uh, gigs you're getting or how many clients you have um you know we had some great clients for a while with this through an agency in new york we were working on pediacare and chloroseptic and dramamine and brands like that but they and we got paid very well for it but we violated this rule that i read in um, Ogilvy, one of Ogilvy's books um, about never have a high percentage of your revenue come from one client. Oh, yeah. Um, but we couldn't, it's like we couldn't say no to the revenue. We love the work. So it just was after about a year and a half when that agency lost that uh, digital account to another one, um, you know, it was it was definitely a freak out time and, you know, try to get, you know, get more clients and all that. But uh, it's I think after it's taken me, I guess now about three, four years to feel like, you know, it, it will come, you know, and 
and not to freak out as much when, when things, you know, cause I mean, we have clients that go on and on and then we've got others that end after two, three months, it could be a short term project, whatever. Uh, so I think that's, that's the only part. But I, I think if you feel like, since I feel like I know now how to get clients and how to drum up business, um, I'm more confident about that. And I really think as if you're, if you're a rain, if you can be a rainmaker, that's a huge advantage to have. Cause if you can't get business, you're always going to have to work for somebody else. Well, and as you know, you know, the, the consulting side is one type of sale, but then mm-hmm. the speaking side is something entirely different. And, and sometimes a lot of that is sort of word of mouth. And, you know, I always find that the more I speak, the more speaking opportunities I get. And so, you know, I'm always just hungry to make sure my calendar is full, regardless of, you know, if it's a big event or a small event, because right. it tends to be a self-perpetuating prophecy. But I agree with you. I've, I've been doing this full time for, well, since April 2009. Mm. And, you know, sort of the bottom of the recession is when I started my own business and I'm still here, but I spent <laughs> yeah. a lot of years, you know, I'd have a good year and I'd be like, yeah, but now I'm starting at zero. And right. every month it was like, you know, oh, it was a record month. Yeah, but I have zero sales on the books. Right. Right. Well, that's, and that's why I think, you know, like many people, you may be like me, um, many of us want to find, you know, a way, the way to create that online course or whatever that, that gives us perpetual income or a membership site or, or write more, you know, Kindle books. I don't know. Like those are things I'm always working on on the side to try to develop alternate revenue streams. Sure. No, well, I mean, that's to have some sort of a base would be, you know, ideal for me, but it's, you know, there's always one project than another, but I have, like you said, I've gotten to the point where I feel secure Mm-hmm. After five and a half years, there's clearly, you know, I'm, I'm doing something right. I, I don't know that I can always tell people what it is, but, <laughs> but it does seem that, uh, you know, when I speak, it, it begets another speaking opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if somebody wants to go off and launch their own consultancy or they, they want to become, you know, a speaker, an author, sort of all the things that you've done, I've known you sort of loosely for about five years and, mm-hmm. and your career has really skyrocketed over that time. What advice would you give to somebody who's just starting out? Well, I would definitely read the cowbell principle. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The cowbell principle, I think would be the number one read. Um, yeah, and I put out a new course too that's called the Awareness Blueprint, which is one of several courses I want to do. But this one's mainly how to get awareness. I I, I think, you know, as the the amount of noise out there has increased, um, people, you know, we, we we're now in this age of accelerating content marketing and more and more stuff out there. So you can't just put stuff out. It has to be good. It has to break through. It has to be attention grabbing. Um, so you have to constantly be creating something. And, and I think some people don't focus enough on getting awareness. You know, you, there's, there's awareness, interest, desire, action. There are a lot of different levels and goals for marketing. So I don't just, I run AdWords like to get like business right away. That's, that's my business now strategy, but for overall business later or thought leadership or, um, all that other stuff, you have to be doing some things that get awareness. And so for me, that's Facebook ads because the average, what, 25 cents per thousand ad views, it's the cheapest advertising in history. Uh, that's also one of the most targeted advertising in history. Um, so I think that's, that's really important. I've got, I've got one, uh, Facebook post, you know, when you create a lot of Facebook posts, some of them work better than others, but I've got this one, it works so well that I can get um, 
post interactions for less than a penny each. And so that post has been going crazy for the last couple months. It's reached 400,000 people. Wow. And it's gotten like 40,000 likes and, I don't know, 16,000 shares. Um, And I've only spent a few hundred bucks on it. So if you... You know, it's not that easy if you're new to Facebook ads. You do have to do a lot of testing. You've got to create a lot of different Facebook posts to find the ones that get the most engagement and so on. Um, but I think that's really important. I think retargeting is very important once people have been to your site because you can get their emails, but you only get the people that opt in. Whereas with you can show retargeting ads to anybody that's been to your site and they don't have to opt in. So it's another way to stay in front of people. Um, and... Uh, you know, I, one thing I know I need to do, I just haven't had time for, is to do more webinars because they're one of the best converting uh, lead gen types of thing. You know, um, I use uh, lead pages because they, they have these great templates and they monitor the conversion rate for every template. So, you know, you can choose one that other people have succeeded with. And, you know, just of all the different types of templates, the top four converters are webinar templates. So... Those work really well. And when I get more time, I'm going to do more of those. Well, you definitely, you know, I always tell people you're Mr. Social Media that you have. I mean, when when we first talked five years ago, you know, we both were sort of starting out and, and you had this social media focus and, and you've lived it and you've really made it happen. So I think that's great advice that you give to the listeners. Mm. Yeah. I mean, the main thing is you have to be a scientist. You have to try new stuff. Um, and I think it's really important to do it. You know, you, you have to get out there and, and do stuff. I, you know, there, there are a lot of people out there who are just strategists and they never implement. So I'm not sure where they get their information about what works and what doesn't, (laughs) but you know, (laughs) I mean, seriously, like if you, you're only, if you're only reading public case studies, you're not finding out about most of the stuff that's working because people are not people when something works really well, people don't share it as much because they want that competitive advantage. So I'm a little suspicious of social media strategists that don't also implement so they can see what works and what doesn't. Well, and even outside of being a consultant, I mean, I always tell people like if they want to become a speaker and they call me and say, wow, I like what you've done. You know, you have I have what I call sort of a traditional speaking model that the speaking is the main part of my business. Mm-hmm. And people will ask me all the time, like, you know, how did how did you do that? How did you build, you know, a career doing this? And the answer was I went out and I spoke. You know, I mean, yeah. that, was, that was part of it. A lot of people think, well, I'm, I'm going to get some training and I'm going to study. And I had someone uh, run an ad calling themselves, you know, this like massive speaker. And I know them and I, and I asked them about, wow, I didn't realize you were doing that. How many times did you speak this year? And they said <laughs> twice. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, twice in a year is not really, you know, not a speaking much. career, right? You're not yeah. really like a professional speaker. And, and. You know, it just was an interesting conversation because he said, well, there's no rules on what you can call yourself. And I was like, well, welcome to the world that we live in. That's right. And yeah, that's true. Well, I guess and I imagine you because, you know, one of the realities of speaking is you can have a speaking fee. um, But then there are a lot of opportunities where you have to negotiate if you want the if you want the gig. Oh, Um, well, that's I mean, that's true in every industry. Right. I mean, it's it's great. But, you know, you've got to you've got to be able to to match what the market will pay. Right. Well, and that's one thing, you know, that working with Garrison has been good. He warned me not to raise my fee too high too fast because when you go back down, it looks like you're failing. Yep. Um, so, yeah, that's, you know, 
Yeah. So, you know, you, uh, we could talk about Brian for, you know, the whole time and, and that's oh, great. That okay. would be, yeah, that's, that'd be fascinating. <laughs> but I love to ask people the question of who else do you see out there who's doing something cool? Because if we just talk about ourselves and self-promote, that's, that's great. But yeah. we also have to observe, I think to be successful entrepreneurs, we have to be sort of watching. And when you were an observer, sometimes you're going to see something, you're going to go, wow, she's just killing it. So who yeah. do you know? Who do you see? And you think, wow, they're doing something amazing. Well, um, I mean, there are some people in a, I got in a mastermind group, which is awesome. So I've gotten to, to see what, uh, David Newman is doing, Alex Harris, Christina Daves, Allison Lex, Carrie Connick. These, these are all digital marketing people who are doing great things. Uh, Charlie Posnick, who runs that mastermind, he, he does coaching for baby boomers. Uh, Allison Lex worked with Bill Glazer and Dan Kennedy as a copywriter and she's working for herself now. Um, Jim Boykin runs this company. It has more than a hundred um, people in it called Inter Internet Marketing Ninjas. And one of the coolest things about him, we talked earlier about uh, thought leaders. He has a number of, of all-stars you know, in his team. So he has a personal style and a, and a leadership style that supports talent. And that's really cool. Um, I know a guy here locally that also is known somewhat you know, beyond Charleston named Ben Fanning who does people who get burnout. He does coaching. He calls a reignition um, for burnout. And uh, let's see, Rajiv Sajjal is this guy who used to work at Procter and Gamble, and he does some some funny marketing. He also does like he's been doing a one man show all across the country. Um, and I've helped him market that a little bit, but he's yeah, he doesn't need my help that much. He's doing great. Um, who else? You know, Garrison Wynn we talked about. Um, Jim Lufkin is a guy I'm working with who is big in the network marketing world, which is not really my world, but um, he's doing some really cool things with social media in that in that world and, and creating training and, and writing a book, which is pretty cool. Um, let's see. Yeah, that's a whole list that that's yeah. that's fantastic. And that just sort of goes back to what I'm saying is that you're paying attention to what other people are doing. And you yeah. brought up you brought up a mastermind group. I think being involved in a mastermind group is one of the smartest things that entrepreneurs mm -hmm. can do, whether it's a formal group like joining Young Presidents Organization or EO or Vistage or whether it's putting together your own group of, of peers and people who you admire. I mean, yeah. my, my mastermind group, I have a group of there's five of us all, you know, kind of professional speakers kind of at the same level, but all doing different markets and different topics mm -hmm. and we come mm -hmm. together and just kind of put out we open up our books we open up our marketing strategy and it's amazing how someone can look and say you're doing too many things take those two away or have you right. thought about adding something you should be doing that and all of a sudden you're like god i'm good at this i teach this stuff and yet yeah. I totally missed it for myself. So I think being part of a mastermind group is probably one of the reasons that you're having all the success that you're having. I had the exact same experience. I mean, I was, we do a hot seat where each person gets to go, you know, get the focus all on them on one particular thing. And, uh, you know, I had them, they were looking at one of my, my squeeze pages and they made some changes that, that, uh, you know, I've been running a test, like what they said versus my previous one. And you know, they boosted the conversion rate for it by 10%. So yeah. And it was stuff I was like, Oh yeah. Oh, obvious. It's funny how, 
that, yeah, we just don't have as good a, a perspective on ourselves. Well, it's the cobbler's children have no no shoes, right? I yeah. mean, it's, it's we're really good at helping other people, but sometimes we're not paying attention to our own our own house. But I'll tell you, you also mentioned in your mastermind group, you mentioned David Newman. I know David from the National Speakers Association. Oh, cool. And, yeah. and shame on him for not dragging you kicking and screaming into NSA because I think you'd be a good benefit to our, our little our little family. Yeah, sure. I, I'm open. I don't know much about it. So I'll, I'll get on David to hound you on that one. Okay. So an, another question I like to ask is sort of how do you give back? Because I find that the most successful people definitely find ways to serve the greater good. Yeah, well, I mean, um, several things. I mean, personally, we've adopted rescue cats and rescue puppies. And I like to say my wife is a rescue as well. Um, <laughs> that's just a joke. I, I was going to say, um, <laughs> I, I'm sure it's the other way around. <laughs> that is true. Yes, of course. And I married above my level and all that stuff. Um, but uh, I also, you know, I donate to Kickstarter sometimes. I've, uh, I love to do one, one year for Christmas. We just, uh, we bought people in my family. Uh, like we basically bought somebody a goat in a village or like a well or one of those types of things in Africa. And, and you give it to them and you say, I gave, I gave someone a goat on your behalf, sort of, which is, you know, the opposite of, you know, the, the capitalistic Christmas, but, um, it, it feels really good. If someone gave someone a goat on my behalf, I would be thrilled. <laughs> I think that would be like the coolest thing. What'd you get for Christmas? Well, I got a goat, but not for me, but <laughs> I got a goat. I got a goat in Africa that's feeding a family of seven. I at least can I at least get a video of the goat I want to see it <laughs> that's right put it on your Facebook here's my goat eating the trash <laughs> that's right so how I can people it. find out more information about Brian Carter if they if they would like to get the book if they'd like to hire you as a consultant if they need you on their stage to speak how do they find you yeah most of that BrianCarterGroup.com and then we've got the book is the com, and on Twitter I'm Brian Carter with an I yes Brian with an I not a Y yeah yep so, Brian, yep. thank you very much for being a guest on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. You you added a lot of value to the listeners, and I just really enjoyed getting to know you better. Yeah, me too, Tom. Thanks a lot. Thank you. And for everybody who tuned in, thank you very much for listening to this episode. Maybe stop by iTunes and leave a review. You know, a positive one would be better than a negative one. But, mm -hmm. you know, if you don't like it, if you made it this far and you didn't like it, I'm surprised. But if you if you learned something and you thought this was a good episode, uh, go ahead and leave a review. You can find me at TomSinger.com, and that's T-H-O-M. S-I-N-G-E-R or on Twitter at Tom Singer and that's with an H. Go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at at TomSinger. This podcast was produced in part by Podfly.net. Podfly, passion for great-sounding podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.